for Friday, November 19th. It's the early word from the WNYC Newsroom. Hi there, I'm Isaac Davy Aronson with a look at this morning's top news, the day ahead, and reporting highlights from the WNYC News team. Coming up, I'll tell you what's on the chopping block as the city unveils more budget cuts. Plus, the artist who's coming to take our stones. We start with this morning's top headlines just ahead. The Early Word is a production of WNYC Radio. You can support this podcast by making a donation at WNYC.org, where you can also get the latest updates on this morning's headlines on the news page. The House Ethics Committee has recommended censure for 20-term Congressman Charles Rangel, suggesting that the Harlem Democrats suffer the embarrassment of standing before his colleagues while receiving an oral rebuke from the Speaker for financial and fundraising misconduct. Rangel asked the committee to make clear in its recommendation to the full House that he meant no harm. Any action taken by me was not with the intention to bring any disgrace on the House or to enrich myself personally. Rangel told the committee that making those intentions clear would be a great help to his family and community. The panel voted 9-1 to one to recommend censure, the harshest punishment available short of expulsion from the House. The full House is expected to take up the recommendation after Thanksgiving. Speaking of things on Congress's plate during this lame duck session, Democratic leaders who met with President Obama say they plan to hold a series of votes to extend middle-class tax cuts while letting tax cuts for the wealthy expire. That's expected to draw Republican opposition and essentially leave both sides at square one. Meanwhile, an extension of jobless benefits set to expire for two million people during the holidays was blocked by Republicans and Blue Dog Democrats in the House yesterday. President Obama says Senate ratification of a pending arms treaty with Russia this year is a national security imperative. I'm confident that we should be able to get the votes. Uh, Keep in mind that every president since Ronald Reagan has presented a arms treaty with Russia and been able to get ratification. He spoke during a meeting with top aides and key backers of the pact, including former secretaries of state and defense from both parties. The new START treaty would slash deployed arsenals on both sides by roughly a third, but its passage has been thrown into doubt by GOP calls to delay consideration until the new Congress convenes in January. The Senate has voted to temporarily avert a massive cut in Medicare pay for doctors. If the House goes along, the cut will be postponed until year's end. Lawmakers hope that will be enough time to negotiate a 12-month delay. Doctors were threatening to stop taking new Medicare patients if the cut went through. For several years now, November has been doomsday budget time, and this year is no different in New York City. The Bloomberg administration has announced more than $1.5 billion in budget cuts, including thousands of layoffs and staff reductions over the next two years. Everyone from teachers and social workers to police and firefighters to librarians and number crunchers could be eliminated or see cutbacks in their agencies. Even those who fill the city's potholes will feel the pinch in the mayor's latest budget. And if you think that sounds bad, Deputy Mayor Stephen Goldsmith says the budget outlook is even worse. This is just preparation for a much, much, much more difficult situation in uh, 2012. The administration says the cuts are necessary to close a more than $3 billion budget gap. It says pension costs are largely to blame for the city's dismal budget picture. Henry Garrido from D.C. 37, the city's largest public employee union, says before Mayor Bloomberg signs off on cutting the city's workforce, he should seek to raise revenue. He says one way to do that is crack down on businesses that get tax exemptions, even though they don't qualify for them. A lot of the agencies are basically operating on bare bones right now. So to see an additional cut 
when they are alternatives that we believe could better serve the citizens is something that we're very, very concerned about. City council members also expressed concern about the budget's impact on social services. The Administration for Children's Services could lose more than 100 workers, and the homeless shelters could see a 15 percent reduction in security guards. Council Speaker Christine Quinn says lawmakers will fight for the city's most vulnerable citizens, but they're also prepared to work with the mayor. In addition to objecting to cuts and fighting against them and preventing them, we're going to have to provide ideas for other specific places revenues could be cut back upon. The council will propose its own budget plan after deliberating over the mayor's. Details about his cutback plans are on our website at WNYC.org. A top financial advisor to Mayor Bloomberg will pay more than $6 million to settle charges from the Securities and Exchange Commission. Stephen Ratner was accused of paying kickbacks as part of a pay-to-play scheme at the New York State Pension Fund. WNYC's Bob Henley has more. Ratner admitted no wrongdoing, but he is banned for two years from professionally associating with any investment advisor or broker-dealer. Government regulators say the ban means Ratner cannot get paid for his services. On CNBC, after the settlement became public, Ratner said he spent a substantial amount of time helping Mayor Bloomberg manage his finances and that the two are very close. I think he's wonderful. I would love to help him in whatever he decides to do next in life. A spokesman for the mayor said Bloomberg will still rely on Ratner's advice as a friend. New York State Attorney General Andrew Cuomo says the SEC fines are not harsh enough and has sued to ban Ratner from doing securities work in the state for the rest of his life. He also seeks $26 million in penalties and restitution. For WNYC, I'm Bob Henley. New York City and state clocked solid job growth last month, and the city's jobless rate dropped a tenth of a percent to 9.2. An analysis by the firm Eastern Consolidated finds a net gain of 14,000 jobs in New York City between September and October. WNYC's Ilya Merritt reports there's a change in the kind of jobs that are being added. The area known as business services, which is really accounting, lawyers, architects, a lot of these white-collar, high-paying jobs seem to be coming back, which makes a change from earlier where a lot of the job growth had been in hospitality, hotels, tourism, those kind of areas. The greatest job losses were in publishing, apparel, manufacturing, and government. The state's jobless rate remained unchanged at 8.3 percent. Nationwide, 9.6 percent of Americans willing and able to work could not find a job in October. New York University is abandoning its plans to build a 38-story tower in Greenwich Village. The move came after local protests and the withdrawal of support from architect I.M. Pei, who designed the three other towers that are adjacent to the proposed site in University Village between Bleecker and Houston Streets. NYU is now seeking approval to build on an adjacent site where a Morton Williams supermarket now stands. While the supermarket is not landmarked, it's also a touchstone for the community, since residents have said it's one of the few large grocery stores in the area. Let's take a look at today's calendar, shall we? President Obama is at the two-day NATO summit in Portugal, where a wind-down strategy for Afghanistan is expected to be the focus. Back in Washington, Vice President Biden holds a middle-class task force event at the White House to announce new initiatives to help middle-class and low-income families. Federal Reserve Chairman Ben Bernanke addresses the European Banking Conference in Frankfurt, Germany. In his speech prepared for the event, he vigorously defends the Fed's recent cash injection into the U.S. economy and makes a forceful case that Congress also must provide more stimulus aid if unemployment is to be brought down anytime soon. 
The Securities and Exchange Commission considers new regulations to require hedge funds to register with the agency and be examined. Later today, a federal court official will announce whether the 9-11 health lawsuit has hit its mark. 95% of the plaintiffs have to accept the deal for it to take effect. And Mayor Bloomberg this morning welcomes Army Staff Sergeant Salvatore Giunta, the first living Medal of Honor winner since the Vietnam War, to New York City. Just a few of the things happening this Friday. The man in charge of deciding whether publishing executive Kathy Black can be the city's next school's chancellor, despite lacking education credentials, is described as someone who thinks outside the box. WNYC's Beth Fertig has more. If there's a case to be made for an unconventional chancellor, then Education Commissioner David Steiner could be open to that based on his record. He embraces alternatives to teaching colleges and using data to measure teacher performance. Before taking the job in Albany, Steiner was dean of the education school at Hunter College. But Hunter President Jennifer Rabb says the faculty originally wanted a dean with a Ph.D. in education. Steiner's doctorate from Harvard is in political science. When they met him and they saw his vision and his passion for transforming the school to make us the place that trained the best teachers in the country, they really engaged with him, and this was a candidate that they wanted. Rab says Steiner transformed the school by integrating technology in teaching and was a great collaborator. Skills Mayor Bloomberg says Kathy Black can also bring to the city schools. For WNYC, I'm Beth Fertig. Rab has signed a letter urging Steiner to support Black. A panel appointed by Steiner will review whether Black deserves a waiver to run the schools based on her other credentials. One last thing before we go. Long Island residents, watch your stones. Korean sculptor and painter Lee Ufan is coming to the area in a hunt for local boulders. They'll be used in steel and stone installations that'll appear in his first North American retrospective at the Guggenheim next June. His show is one of the highlights of the museum's exhibitions for 2011, unveiled yesterday. Guggenheim curator Alexandra Monroe says for Ufan... The boulders carry a lot of meaning. He writes a lot about this, how the stones in different countries represent the personality of those countries, um, and how the kind of geological formation of a land sort of has produced the culture of that land. Other exhibitions coming to the Guggenheim next year are a retrospective of satirical Italian artist Maurizio Catalan in the fall, and a show with art done before and during the First World War in February. They play salsa all right, but Bio Ritmo isn't your everyday Latin dance band. The group takes the sound of classic salsa dura and mixes it with Afrobeat jazz and the sounds of 70s-era film soundtracks. The resulting sound is danceable, but it also has a cinematic feel to it. Bio Ritmo celebrates the release of a new vinyl single at SOB's tonight and plays Zebulon in Brooklyn tomorrow. To download this track, titled Dina's Mambo, just stop by our culture page 
Click culture at WNYC.org. You can learn more about all the stories you heard here, download more podcasts, and go in-depth with our reporters on the news blog. It's all at our website, WNYC.org. You can hear us there 24 hours a day, as well as on the air at 93.9 FM and AM 820. The Early Word is a production of the WNYC Newsroom, where the managing editor is Karen Frillman. The executive producer is Giselle Regatau. The news editor is Julianne Welby. The economics editor is Charlie Herman. Our arts and culture maven is Abby Fentress-Swanson. Engineering by Paul Schneider and Wayne Schulmeister. WNYC's senior executive producer for news is John Keefe. The Early Word is produced by me. From the WNYC Newsroom, I'm Isaac Davy Aronson. Have a great day and a great weekend.